Thanks to Audible for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery. For a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com/fool. It's Tuesday, February 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Tuesday. Thank you. Doesn't feel like February out there, does it? No, it's not going to feel till uh, Thursday like February. Yeah. And then it's snowing. Midwest getting hammered with snow. And here in the the DMV, we're we're just having a really weird winter. Uh, we are well. This, so it's uh, like going to be sixty eight today, or yeah. is sixty eight, or something and like then, that. And then in less than forty eight hours, apparently it's going to be snowing. Yeah. Weather. Weather. Really weird. People. Is it just wacky or what? <laughs> um, all right, we've got earnings. We've got fashion earnings. We've got consumer goods earnings. We're going to start with automotive. General Motors fourth quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. This is a really good quarter. They had strong sales of trucks and SUVs, and I'm hoping you're going to explain why the stock is down five percent this morning because this was a really good quarter. Yeah. What do you mean by really good quarter? I think in terms of expectations and deliveries and operations in two little markets, I like to call the United States and China. Yeah. On the surface, this looks really good. Yeah. Earnings were down seventy percent from last year. Well, there's earnings that. per share. <laughs> so, so here's what Mary Barra, the chairman and CEO, said, and I quote from the GM press release. Uh, by almost any measure, 2016 was a great year for our business, and I am confident we can achieve even stronger results. Um, and so, I think it's the by almost any measure. Like there are certain measures by which 2016 was not a great year. Uh, net income was down three percent. Um, diluted earnings per share were only up one percent. Uh, guidance for next year is basically flat with this year. Uh, so it. Was, it was yes, it exceeded the expectations for the quarter, but the expectations really, when you look at it, weren't all that high. Um, okay, it was down seventy percent in earnings per share compared to last year, and that's that's completely misleading because there were one-time items in there. But on a, on a adjusted uh, basis, earnings were still down eight percent um, per share for the quarter, and that's with some stock buybacks. So I think that although uh, net revenue was up. Ten uh, percent for the quarter. Uh, the bottom line was not as impressive, and that, coupled with the soft guidance for next year, is is why we are looking at a stock down today. Overall, though, over the past year, I mean, you look at this drop. Is is part of what we're seeing here the fact that it's had a pretty good twelve months, just in terms of the shares themselves? I mean, before today, this is a stock that's up around about twenty five percent or so over the last year. For an automaker the size of GM, that's that's pretty darn good. Uh, I mean, it's it all depends on where exactly you're slicing the data. Uh, so, a little bit of a, a slow start for the stock last year, but for the whole year, the stock was up um, a little bit less than seven percent. It was up one percent in 2015. It was down eleven percent in 2014. So it hasn't done, and it was it was up five percent going into today uh, for the year, and now it's lost that. Given so all that back, so it's flat. So you know you add all that up, and you're still looking at a company that is a stock that has not really returned anything uh, over the last three and a quarter years. Uh, so uh, why is that? Well, it's a cyclical, 
and it has had results that are uh, sort of definitely on the high uh, side of the range uh, over the last uh, 12 and 18 months, but it is not building on that. And whereas going into today, the trailing 12 months showed almost $9 a share in, in earnings per share now, and that we're sort of lapping those one-time gains from the quarter last year. Um, and that's why it looks like uh, earnings per share are down a lot, but they're not down as much as the one-time gains uh, make it look. So, you know, if you're figuring, okay, this is a company that made about six bucks a share, 2015 adjusted made about six dollars a share. 2016 they're talking about six dollars a share to six fifty a share next year. You're looking at a cyclical that is maybe operating right now at that sort of the peak earnings that it's ever had in its new post 2008 incarnation. And you know what are those six dollars a share worth? So, is this an industry that you look at as an investor, whether it's yourself personally or with the team at Motley Full Funds, and you think to yourself, you know what, the least attractive part of the automotive industry to me is the automakers themselves. You can you can get me to look at a publicly traded company that's involved in specific parts. Or you know a company like AutoZone as we've talked about before, but the automakers themselves, which are the most visible and the highest profile in the industry, those are the stocks that are the least interesting to you. Yeah, I think they're more interesting than they were pre 2008 um, because some of the issues with the pensions have been cleared up as a result, and still it's got a very significant pension obligation. It's a very capital intensive. Business, obviously, uh, there's a huge amount of money that is needed to expand anything, to start any new operation, and uh, we are being told by some in currently elected political positions that uh, automakers aren't going to be able to control their own destiny about where they do their business, and that's an, an overhang for the company as well. And if there is sufficient governmental pressure on Automakers to operate in a less than wholly economic way, uh, then you should pay less for their stocks because they're going to be making less money. If GM's quarter looked really good, quote, by almost any measure, I would argue that by almost any measure, Michael Kors' third quarter was a little bit of a train wreck. Revenue was down. They lowered guidance. Their same store sales were down. I mean, this is this is a company that had done really well for a, a, a probably three or four years, and consequently, so did the stock. And you look at the last couple of years from Michael Kors, and this looks very much like a company that has lost its way. Yeah, I wonder if you you know can you have a little bit of a train wreck? <laughs> yeah, if just I mean, like, if not, nobody dies, right? It yeah, just, nobody goes dies. Off, goes just, off the rails, and just the right? first couple of cars, you know, as opposed to like, wow, what? Yeah, there were eighty cars on that train, and they all went off the track. Yeah, like at the beginning of the movie Unbreakable, like that kind of train wreck. Like, whoo, boy, didn't that, see it. Oh, that's 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 actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, yeah. All right, he uh, M Knight went yeah. to my uh, alma mater. He did for uh, high school. Yeah, the Sixth Sense. I saw that. I think that's the only one I've seen. Okay, Unbreakable is worth watching. 
That's worth watching. Yeah, a I few so. of the others weren't. Spoiler alert: uh, There's a big train wreck at the beginning of Unbreakable. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a little bit of a train. But wreck. something doesn't get broken. Yes, and you have to see the movie to exactly. find out. Exactly. Um, it, here's why it's only a little bit of a train wreck for Michael Kors. The stock is only down 12% this morning. Right. We've seen worse train wrecks. We have seen worse train wrecks just in, in this earnings season alone. Um, where is this company right now? Because I'll go back to what I said before. It really seems like they have lost their way. And if I'm reading these reports correctly, the comments from the company that they're no longer going to participate in steep discounting that appears to be at least partially an admission that the move to discounting expensive handbags in the past was a mistake. Where are they? I'll give two quick answers to that. One, too many places. And the other is malls. And so, to see any retailer down right now that is either got its own stores, as Michael Kors does, or you know is also selling its merchandise through other stores, which are based in malls. Uh, it's just very, very tough. I, I'm sure you have gone through any number of stories in this earnings season that reflect that. Um, and Michael Kors is yet another one. And as, as you point out, one of the big problems here is if you're a rapidly expanding operation, as Michael Kors has been, $4.6 billion in sales over the last 12 months, up from $500 million in, in only 2010. So, this is a company that has rapidly expanded. Well, can you be a company that is rapidly expanding and yet is positioning yourself as an exclusive and high-end brand? I'm asking you. Yeah, no. Because there yeah, no was the right answer. <laughs> Others have tried. It is just just not that possible to simultaneously be uh, something that uh, is available to lots and lots and lots of people and has an aura of being uh, exclusive. And you can grow into additional markets, China, and, and spread out the, the sales over you know, the whole world. And maybe you can be a $4 billion um, luxury brand company in annual sales uh, if you are being bought in just a you know a small amount in each one of these uh, jurisdictions, I think Michael Kors gets a lot of you know uh, credit for having been able to grow to the degree that it has. But it's running into the problems right now of simultaneously convincing people that uh, everybody should have it, and and it's not available to everybody. I'm wondering if a year from now we're going to look back and. Think that this was a buying opportunity, because they've been very clear about the fact that they're not going to be doing this discounting, and consequently, that's going to hurt their revenue over the next twelve months, as anyone would expect it to. But I'm wondering if if 2017 ends up being the year of pain, and it ultimately is a smart move for them in the long run. Well, I'd want to follow their lead uh, on that, perhaps, and see just how aggressively they buy back their own stock. And if they are not aggressively buying it back at a time where they are pulling back on expansion, uh, then you know I would have questions about uh, just how how interesting this is. Now, it's trading, you know, certainly trading at an affordable forward multiple uh, about. 
uh, eight times next year's earnings based on the prior to today's guidance on on what to expect for next year. Now GM trading at five or six times earnings, forward earnings and and realized earnings. So these are a couple of companies of which the market is not favoring. Uh, plenty of companies. In fact, the next one we'll talk about where the multiple is much much higher. You wouldn't necessarily think that would be the case given its products, but you know, as far as a luxury brand goes. Uh, at the moment, you know, I'd I'd want to see that they are are executing on what they say they're going to do, rather than changing what they say they're going to do. All right. Before we get to our next company, got to say thanks to Audible for supporting our podcast today. Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original shows, news, comedy, and more. Audiobooks are great to listen to when you're driving, when you're stuck in traffic, doing stuff around the house, running errands, going to the gym. And for our dozens of listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. And if you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Just go to audible.com/fool, and you can browse through their unmatched selection of audio content and download a title for free and start listening. It's that simple. I was looking through the selections they have and was very pleased to see authors of of people I've gotten the chance to interview: Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habit, uh, Nate Silver. With the signal and the noise, do you remember when Nate Silver was here? I do. So, uh, quick sidebar on that. Uh, last, I think last year, right before the election, we replayed that interview with Nate Silver. The, his book, The Signal and the Noise, came out in 2012, and uh, we ran the interview on Motley Fool Money. And most of the time, when I'm interviewing someone for Motley Fool Money, that interview takes place over the phone. And in the case of Nate Silver, he happened to be in town. And had time on his hands, and I, I think we had, I think we had arranged for the interview to begin at like three o'clock or something like that, and then at I don't know, like two twenty, I got a call from the front desk saying Nate Silver is here, and I just said okay, I'll be right down. And before I left my desk, I remember firing an email to you, and saying Nate Silver is here, come upstairs right now, because he's a huge baseball fan. Um, and well, that's yeah, that's where he got his start. Was yeah, writing for. Baseball Prospectus, yeah. uh, both the uh, website and the books, and uh, has incorporated a lot of uh, either what he learned while he was there or what he uh, demonstrated uh, his his use of breaking down um, baseball through statistics. And um, you know he's been doing that with uh, elections uh, and gained a, quite a bit more notoriety uh, while doing that. I, I don't know the last. Three election cycles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I when I tell people around here that story of like, yeah, Nate Silver was here, and uh, we just hung out in the studio for about a half an hour, to, mainly talking about baseball. Um, anyway, uh, his book is on there on Audible.com. Um, actually, I I went with something um, away from the business category when I uh, got an audio book from Audible, and that was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. With the great Jim Dale, because love the Harry Potter books, and Jim Dale just does a phenomenal job reading those books. So anyway, get a free audiobook. You get a 30-day free trial at audible.com/fool. That's audible.com/fool. Fourth quarter profits for Church and Dwight, not nearly the household name that General Motors is or Michael Kors is, but if you're an investor, it probably should be more of a household name. Fourth quarter profits rose nearly 6%. That was a little bit more than analysts were expecting. Shares up 3% this morning. This is this is one of those companies that you may not know 
the name of the parent company, but you probably recognize the products or have them in your home. They've got some household products, Arm & Hammer, uh, OxyClean. They also have a lot of personal care products, deodorant, uh, toothpaste, uh, pregnancy, all that sort of thing. Yes, uh, they are in your house, most likely. And Arm & Hammer, I guess, would be the one that you should think of first when you're thinking of Church & Dwight, because it's got an ampersand in its name, like Church & Dwight does. And uh, it's it's one of those things that, that can uh, be expanded. I can remember actually seeing a presentation at an investor conference by Church & Dwight, and just thinking, um, boy, I, I love their CEO. He was the most animated uh, CEO that I can remember seeing, at least up to that time. And I mean, he was really getting excited about uh, everything about the company, but he was able to translate that excitement into things like kitty litter. <laughs> right. And and the extension of, you know, uh, the arm and hammer uh, brand on top of kitty litter and, and the ability to for the, the company to, you know, go into that market and make a dent. Um, and they've done that with OxyClean, and uh, they're also, they're, they're well known for just so many brand names. And at, although the, the operations of the company have been pretty smooth, um, they, they acquire uh, new brands, uh, ex, expand uh, what they do with the brands that you already know, uh, and it all adds up to you know phenomenal uh, shareholder rewards. They haven't had a, a down year uh, as a stock uh, in the last decade, and that includes 2008, 2009. Yeah, this is a steady outperformer. Yes, and and as you said, you know they got kitty litter. They've got they've got toothpaste. This is not a sexy company, but in terms they do have Trojan. They do have Trojan. They have they have so they let's have not say they're completely. That's Not true. Sexy. That's true. There's there's a little bit of sexy. They also have pregnancy kits, you know. So there's you know there's that pregnancy there's that. testing kits, I should say. Um, there are no kits to get you pregnant. Right. They sell. Right. You just need to not buy Trojans, and that's how that works. Um, no, this is this is really been a great performer over the last five years, and you throw in the fact that on top of this. You know, sort of steady quarter, they're raising their dividend again. Um, this. This is one of those ones that you just you just got to keep your eye out for. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wealth compounder, right? And and instead of something like a GM, which as we said trades at a PE of about five six, uh, Church and Dwight pretty steadily trades at something like twenty to twenty five um, as as the multiple that the market's willing to pay for it. And why is that? Well, it just has demonstrated the ability to. Grow uh, and to compound its wealth, and to take the money that it earns and reinvest in the business, buy some new brands, make these brand extensions, and, and it's just not as capital intensive a business as as uh, GM is, and so shareholders will pay four times the amount uh, for for their earnings that they'll pay for GM. They they don't have the same pension issues and the same you know regulatory issues. Uh, they don't. Tend to, you know, when when something goes wrong, it's not uh, they don't have to recall, you know, millions of dollars, billions of dollars worth of products and and redo them. So that's one of the reasons, and and also they they just have demonstrated, you know, until they make the kinds of mistakes that eventually all companies do, uh, they're going to continue to have this kind of premium multiple. I think. 
But if you look at their track record of managing their brands over the last decade or so, it, it doesn't appear that they are likely to make the mistake of expanding their brand portfolio. This this is not. I mean, yes, they have a lot of areas that they cover, but this is not one of those companies where, like Procter and Gamble was, say, five years ago, where you you go to their website and you just think, my God, how do you how do you cope with all of these brands? And in the case of Procter and Gamble, they said, you know what, this isn't working. We got to get rid of some of these. So at least in the case of Church and Dwight, they've got a a, a nice sized portfolio that they're managing very effectively. Yeah, they've got what they call their their power brands. I think is the the word for it, and and that includes Arm and Hammer and you know, um, OxyClean and, and a few others. And, you know, one of the things that they've got, is this something you've ever heard of, dry shampoo? No. So, I, I was I, asking... I, I saw that on their website, and I... Uh, you just glossed over it. Yeah. And as did I the first time, and then I, I asked uh, in our office, there uh, there, there was somebody to ask, and I asked her, is dry shampoo a thing? And And... She had used it once or twice. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a thing. Apparently, this is a big growth uh, opportunity. So, what is it? Is it powder? What, yeah, what? I think I think it's powder. You just take it and and. So it's not liquid shampoo. It's no, it's dry. Okay. I think you get some in here <laughs> for the next time you're doing a video. You think that come in <laughs> not having showered or or at least not having washed your hair, and then you can demonstrate. Wow, you just, For the many, many people who want to see this, what, what say, is dry shampoo? Just, it's a thing that exists and is is making money for this company, and is is you know, it's it's going to be like sleeper. It's going to be like the in twenty years will be the only shampoo we use. I think you're describing a video that absolutely no one wants to see. Get somebody whose hair we do want to see. Oh, okay. Cleaned. Well, that'd be that'd be. I think our man Dan, the glass, Dan, Dan Boyd. Boyd. Dan, sure. can we get you? Uh, <laughs> If we do something with with dry shampoo, would you would you help us out with that? Maybe. No. Okay. Keep keep looking. All right. Go to fullfunds.com. You can sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from Bill Barker and his colleagues. And hopefully, the next issue will include something about dry shampoo. See what you can do. You never know. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.